Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello, and welcome to this EM360 podcast. I'm Richard Steenen, Chief Research Analyst at IT Harvest. I write books on IT security, work with IT security technology providers on their go-to-market, and I'm a trusted advisor to CISOs and their teams. IT Harvest is an industry analyst firm that covers over 2,800 vendors in the IT security industry. In today's episode, I'm joined by David Suhu, who is Director of Product Management at Census. We're going to talk about the specifics of attack surface management. Welcome, David. Richard, thank you for having me. Yeah, so give us a, you know, your background and then talk about Census, you know, in general, what problems you address. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you mentioned, my name's David Suhu. I'm the Director of Product over here at Census. I've had a, a long career in cybersecurity, so I've been fortunate to be part of this, you know, growing and exciting industry. Uh, did a little short stint over at a communications detection and response startup, uh, a threat intelligence company, as well as a security ratings uh, company as well. So attack surface management really is part of my life. I've been part of the, the growth, the boom, and so excited to be here at, at Census. You know, over here at Census, one of the one of the things we like to think about is you know, we really know the internet and the cloud best. Um, the way we got started was through Secure, our co-founder. He started a, a an open source program called ZMap, um, and really started the ability to scan the entire internet super fast. And the way we like to think about it is we can scan the entire IPv4 uh, internet space in about 24 hours or daily. Um, we also have global internet sensors out there to get multiple perspectives. Uh, and then we also have the largest repository of certificates, right? And so when we think about attack surface management, that becomes our foundation. And what Census does really well is we take that global uh, set of internet data and we are able to attribute it to uh, specific companies based on you know who they are and how they represent themselves on the internet. Uh, and so what we do is we help to gain visibility into those known and unknown assets, both on-prem and on the cloud, to support businesses you know, in their shift to the cloud, as we, as we know that's a, you know, part of that market trend. And then what we also do is we help to identify the exposures and the risks that are going to get security uh, companies breached, right? Because when we think about it, attackers, they're not just looking for zero days, they're really looking for that simple way in so they can move laterally throughout the business. And they don't care about those organizational complexities, right? They're just looking for, you know, that exposed S3 bucket that has credentials to get into that next system, or that exposed piece of software that they can then exploit to then access uh, a database or a server uh, and move laterally that way too. Got it. Um, so that really helps me understand and perhaps answer the other question I had in my head, but maybe you can be more explicit for us um, because sometimes for me, there's a confusion between um, something, you know, cloud security posture management and attack service management that census does help me understand that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think one way to think about census is that we really provide an attacker-centric view to all external-facing cloud and internet access. And then, as I was saying, we help surface kind of the most critical risk, right? We help you 
fix and remediate the risks that that'll actually get you breached. Um, the big piece there is that attacker-centric view. The attack surface management product, what we what we're really doing is we're exposing those unknown assets or helping helping companies discover those unknown shadow IT assets, the ones that are actually not known. From a CSPM perspective or a cloud security posture management perspective, those have direct integrations with cloud service providers, and they're really only focusing on kind of those known assets, working on those configurations, uh, but they're not really looking at that exposure, right? Um, so one way to think about it is CSPMs really focus on the known, which is great. Um, and then we have a sense of the known, but we're, our, our primary focus is really on those unknowns so we can build that complete picture with a special focus on on the cloud, right? That shifting notion of those ephemeral assets, you know, the the ever-changing cloud notion that is really hard to get a hold of, especially from kind of a, a discovery perspective uh, and a continuous observability perspective as well. Got it. That makes it so much more clear. So it's uh, outside in instead of inside out. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Cool. And give us give us feel for the difficulty and then the resources you have to tie into. I can see how the scanning of the entire internet, you know, over 4 billion IP addresses um, is one step. What about, you know, DNS and, and other resources like that? Yeah, absolutely. So we work with different data providers to help us get um, you know, even more internet visibility than what we have. I think you mentioned DNS. We we have uh, a different data provider that's helping us get passive DNS in there as well to expand our coverage. And then we also look at different, uh, when we talk about attribution or actually how we take that information and attribute it to companies, we work with different data providers who provide who is information on that side of the house. Really, where it comes down to is our ability to, you know, look at an entire response through our scanning infrastructure, start to label the different types of cloud infrastructure. Is it, is there, you know, an elastic search infrastructure stood up there? Is there a Kubernetes container? You know, what is this uh, server used for? You know, all of those things are actually a layer on top of uh, that scanning that we have a team, um, we call it labeling and, and device labeling and things like that. They're adding that extra context to help support uh, investigations and, and risk identification on that side of the house as well. And you must have the ability to find all assets, not just cloud hosted, right? It could be co-hosted or in the corporate environment if it's exposed to the internet. Yeah, absolutely. So essentially all a company needs to do to get started with us is give us their company name. We work with company business data sets uh, that basically say, hey, here's a company, here's all of its subsidiaries. This is a great place to get started because it gives us a domain. We use those domains as inputs to then generate an attack surface. Um, and the, the, the customer is actually able to define the scope of the attack surface by saying, I want this subsidiary, I don't want this subsidiary. Um, and from there, we're actually able to build that attack surface with a little bit of context. Uh, and then on the other side, what happens is we we not only see on-prem assets that are wholly owned and operated by that company. You can think about um, IP space that's registered to that company specifically in a registrar, an Aaron, a Ripe, an Apnic, um, and that Whois uh, database, if you will. And then we can actually see shared hosting infrastructure. So we can see 
an asset that is being used by a company or actually used by many companies and the company whose attack surface we're actually uh, discovering or creating at that point is you know a specific point there. We can see API gateways, we can see ephemeral assets, um, and all of that is organized directly in our product so that one, we have the direct context for what that asset is, how it's being used, but also you know, it's it's a really big and tough challenge to parse all of those different assets and then figure out, okay, should we, um, we call it pivoting, but should we pivot on that asset to discover more assets or should we not, right? The the example is in as a, you know, a cloud DNS name, you know, obviously we don't want to pivot on one of those cloud DNS names because when we do, we'll get a whole bunch of different companies, whereas, you know, we only want to stop just at that that DNS provider. Uh, and that DNS name that's being used by that that company specifically. You know, it's a tough challenge. And really the only way to do it is you have to start early. You have to, you know, keep building up your rule set and you need to keep adding to it. And I think that's part of the kind of the, the census mentality. We're moving super fast. We're learning every day. Um, and we're making these changes uh, very rapidly. What's the reaction or a result with your typical customer when you first onboard them, I imagine you tell them about a lot of assets that they weren't tracking. You know, somebody in the company knows about them, but the IT security department may not have. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's interesting, right? Because um, the the mature security organizations, they know everything that's going on in theory with their business, right? Um, the shift to the cloud has really accelerated the speed of the business. And what that means is there's more IT, there's more DevOps, there's more marketing, there's more people and employees and business units within an organization that are expanding the attack surface than what the security team can actually manage and control and get visibility into with their current tool set, right? And because they are already aware of this, they're not surprised by the information that we return back. They're actually pleasantly pleased, right? And we've run some studies and we've actually seen that when we onboard a customer, they're able to uh, discover up to 80% of those unknown assets. And so we've actually expanded their visibility. And our biggest mission, right, is to make sure that we're not providing noise to each of these you know, companies, right, each of these security teams. The last thing we want to do is contribute to um, more alerts, more things that you can't action. Um, so it's not just about the visibility into the assets, it's also about kind of that, that risk posture as well, right? What are the critical risks that are internet exposed and are being exploited by adversaries or attackers? What are the risks that are actually going to get you breached? Not what are all of the risks that are in your environment everywhere to give you a never ending list that no one will ever be able to get through um, and that, you know, everyone's only going to get frustrated uh, to look at month over month. Yeah. I've seen a lot of those. Speaking of my WordPress sites, and I get all these alerts that I should update, you know, all these plugins I don't actually have enabled. And it's like, why should I do that? Um, How do you determine that risk measurement or or stack ranking? Um, Do you use, do you have also access to some configuration and vulnerability solutions? Yeah, we have integrations with vulnerability management solutions. 
We also have integrations with cloud service providers as well. But when we think about risk prioritization and risk awareness, if you will, what we do is, you know, we start with the assets, right? And from those assets, uh, customers are able to give them context and we're also able to prescribe, you know, this is the business unit that this asset relates to. Uh, from there, we start to build, you know, the importance of that asset. We layer in the risks that we are detecting. You know, it could be Log4J, it could be, you know, a, a well-known, rapidly emerging vulnerability that's been recently announced could be, you know, a simple misconfiguration. It could also be an exposure or end-of-life software, uh, kind of a, a breadth of different risk detections. Um, they all have their own, you know, absolute severity weight. Uh, and then our security research team actually looks and um, identifies which of those risks are being actively exploited in the wild, um, which ones have open telemetry on using kind of leading threat intelligence, leading exploit data feeds, and you know creates a, a prioritization framework that looks at mostly all three of those facets to highlight, okay, this is the most important asset in your inventory with you know the highest absolute severity and the greatest likelihood of being exploited. Um, and then taking all of those three things together, uh, mapping that out into a single stack rank prioritized list to say, hey, these are the top 10, top 25 uh, issues that you need to fix today. Assign those out, integrate with the ticketing system, get those moved over to the right business unit, um, and use the attack surface management uh, product as a way to objectively observe whether that remediation has taken place, uh, whether it goes away and then comes back. Um, all of those are, you know, typical behaviors that we might see in a remediation timeline, right? On the other side of the house, we also know that remediation is not uh, simple, right? Sometimes there are reasons why an asset needs to be exposed to the internet and needs to have that specific piece of uh, vulnerable software or misconfiguration on it because it's not about confidentiality, uh, that is most important, it's actually because that asset needs to be available, right? And so we want to uh, accept that risk. And that's also possible within uh, the, atta- uh, the the census risk framework. Cool. Do you have any examples of, you know, customers who have deployed your system, found issues, fixed them, and just increased their security posture? Yeah, we have many of those examples. That's kind of the the day-to-day workflow for um, our customers, right? They leverage our discovery algorithm, our attribution algorithm, and that helps them identify different assets with different types of software on it. So one example is if a user or a customer is looking for any asset, or they know that they shouldn't have, you know, a Citrix server on any of their assets, Uh, So they do a search within our inventory, they find a Citrix server in that specific asset, they go and identify who owns that asset from uh, their internal business unit, and they go and they uh, create the ticketing and uh, they create a ticket, and they get it remediated. And all of a sudden, that Citrix server is gone, they transitioned it over to an approved piece of software, um, something that had typically gone around the security controls around that security process um, has been discovered. It's been identified, it's been prioritized, uh, and then it's been removed, right? That's a typical example. A different, you know, probably more relevant example 
uh, is on kind of the, the log4j uh, vulnerability that was announced earlier this, this year. We did a, a ton of work to identify different telemetry that is indicative of that log4j vulnerability. And then through that, we worked with all of our customers. We created reports. We helped them identify those assets. We helped them investigate. Um, and same thing, we got all of those or close to nearly all of those log4j vulnerabilities offline, if not at least provided that visibility almost immediately, which would have taken other tools, you know, days and weeks to, to find otherwise. Yeah, I remember that week of Christmas and everybody was scrambling and they were looking for software bill of materials and, you know, just trying to look at the 3,000 you know, open source code libraries that contained it and then see if they had them. That's a really difficult way to do it. So I can see how your customers were well served. Yeah, absolutely. Following, you know, following one of these emerging threats um, within our platform, you can actually start to search for that telemetry yourself. But within 24 hours, we'll have a, a written risk so that it's been validated by our security team. Um, we've written the fingerprint for it. We've scanned the internet at least one more time from there, and now we have that risk in our in our product, so that you can then um, action that one specifically too. So that's that's something that we're really proud of. Awesome! Thank you so much, David, for the, all these insights. Really, really appreciated. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course, and thank you to everyone who listened to our conversation. If you would like more information on what we've discussed today, make sure you head on over to census.io. That's C-E-N-S-Y-S. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head on over to em360tech.com. <laughs>